from Kurtco Media. Coming up on this episode of Life Done Better. That suffering is not a requirement and it's not something that we should be living in for our earthly existence, but oftentimes it does become a prerequisite to having that veil lift and to having our own awakening and to understanding who we truly are, what our purpose is, and on all of that. Welcome to Life Done Better. I'm your host, Jill DeYoung. Do you believe there is more to life than what we can see? Have you ever felt an energetic presence that you couldn't explain? Do you have a talent or gift that you received without putting in the work? I believe that there is a lot going on behind the scenes of the tangible world we live in. I believe that we all have come to this planet for many good reasons. We are not here to suffer. But suffering is often a precursor for a more aligned and purposeful life. Some of the greatest lessons are learned in tough times and are meant to be shared with others. Today's guest is author and host of Ceremony Circle podcast, Alison Charles. She went from being a national champion athlete, radio and talk show host, to aligning with her calling as a shaman after a traumatic moment providing her awakening. She received the ability to share ancient sacred wisdom and divine energy, a powerful catalyst for change. Allison, welcome to the show. Ah, thank you, sister. I was just kind of bathing in your soothing voice and beautiful intro. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> it is a pleasure having you on the show. Everything you do sounds and looks on Instagram so mystical, so magical. And I truly want to enter that world that you are in most of the day. And Alison, I know that you are very much surrounded by people deeply connected to the spirit world. But for the ones that are new to connecting to unseen realms or even unsure what we're talking about right now, let's do a quick introduction to shamanism. Can you first share what your definition of shamanism is and explain what shamans do? Hmm. Yes. Such a big but beautiful question. So I always tried to do my best to be concise and to tune in in the present moment to see what answer wants to come through for your audience. So let me just do a little check in here. So I always like to explain firstly that every shaman works differently every single human actually is sent here with these unique divine blueprints. And, you know, we've all lived so many different lives. So we have stored within us wisdom from past lives. And of course, we're also encoded with the divine blueprint that is meant for us to align with our spiritual calling and our earth mission. So within each and every single human being on the planet, there is a lot going on internally and, and within our energy bodies. But with shamans, we all have a very strong ability to have a direct connection to these unseen realms that you're talking about. So I have equal footing in the earth realm and also in the otherworldly unseen realms. And it's our job and our responsibility when we answer this shamanic calling that really activates inside of us, when we take the responsibility to answer that calling, it becomes our responsibility to be the purest conduit and instrument to receive from those unseen realms, whatever messages, medicine, 
energy transmissions, blessings, guidance that wants to make its way through us so that we can be of greatest service for the world and for any human that leans into these teachings. And for some, when they hear me say what I just said, it really resonates and it's just like a clear yes. It's like even on a soul level, there's an understanding of what I'm talking about, even if maybe I'm the first shaman that they're hearing from or the first shaman that they're meeting. There's something on that deeper level that's like, that resonates. That sounds like truth. And then for others, it's not a right or wrong thing, but for other people, they may not be in that place of readiness to understand or receive what I'm talking about. And it might be a month or five years before they're like, huh, all of a sudden they remember this conversation that we had. And then at that point, they're ready to lean into spiritual practices. So it's all in divine timing and it's all beautiful. But shamans were here to do our best, to do our inner shadow work, and to really face and confront every layer and thread about ourselves, because that allows us to be in an embodied place of unconditional love and compassion. And it's only from that place that we can hold a space of unconditional love and compassion for all others. So that's the answer that wanted to come through today. Well, I'm taking it all in. And when you talk about shadow work, like what exactly do you mean? Mm, Yeah, it's really one of, if not the most vital components of the spiritual path and especially of the shamanic path. And a lot of times when people have a spiritual awakening, this is a piece that starts to come in. You start to really confront and face aspects of yourself that previously you have really suppressed, denied, been too scared to look at, too embarrassed to look at. So there are aspects of ourselves, let's see, that maybe you hold some some shame around. So I'll give an example. For me, before I had my divine intervention and spiritual awakening, I was in a nearly two decades long, very dysfunctional, lot of trauma involved, and at times, you know, abusive in nature relationship with an ex. And it took me over 16 years to get into a place of soul readiness to finally exit out of those patterns and those cycles. And for me, there was a lot of codependency and I was shrouded in denial. I was in denial about the role I was playing. I was in denial about my previous partner's addiction issues. And because we were in that vicious cycle, that kind of dance of insanity for so long, the the levels of suffrage and anguish and pain only got more and more exacerbated because we were unwilling to do the shadow work. We were unwilling to face the things about ourselves that really needed to be worked on. We weren't doing that work. So for me, it required, um, and that's why I really enjoy that part about your intro, that suffering is not a requirement and it's not something that we should be living in for our earthly existence, but oftentimes it does become a prerequisite to having that veil lift and to having our own awakening and to understanding who we truly are, what our purpose is, and on all of that. 
So you were actually shining a light on the emotions that we're least proud of, rather not look at, but are in our way of growing and evolving as souls. Is that right? Yeah, because, you know, if we stay in that state of denying looking at um, certain behaviors and patterns that we have that are not serving our highest greatest good, that are perhaps not healthy for other people to be around. If you think of our pain body, it's our pain body holds within it all of the things about ourselves that we just have not faced or healed. And anytime you have a very activated or unhealed pain body, when you get into a relationship with another person, whether it's a coworker, a fiance, a friend, when you've got a very alive and activated pain body, you have a very high tendency then of getting into a trauma bond or a pain body dance with another. And then that becomes two people triggering each other. And that's what causes this havoc and anguish and suffering and pain. So as long as you are not (laughs) facing that, you're just going to continue to bring into your existence relationships that bring greater suffering as opposed to relationships that really uplift one another and heal one another. Yeah. And and that's the type of relationships that we all need and want in our life. But we do all need to do the work. We all have some things inside of us, like those pain bodies, and that we can recognize when we are triggered. If someone says something, does something that maybe has nothing to do with you, but you take it personally, or, you know, like you feel so triggered and you're like, this should not even do much to me right now, but I am fuming. And that's where you got to go in, right? That's when you got to do the work. But how do we do the work? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And and you're spot on with that. And it also, and I'm going to answer your question in a second, but it also can bring up so many things like the world is out to get me. I can never get ahead. Things aren't fair. You start to tend to get into a victim mentality and a victim archetype. The longer you go with unaddressing these aspects that we're talking about, and the longer you go without doing this kind of work, those neuropathways get deeper and deeper and more and more ingrained in your own brain, which makes it even harder on yourself to escape those trigger loops. So I just also wanted to add that in that to just really reiterate the importance and, and gravity and magnitude of doing this work. So In shamanism, I do a lot of what's called shamanic journeying. And I used to have a course out called Soul Reboot Spirit School. And there were nine different shamanic journeys, all with different purposes and intentions. And a couple of them were devoted to shadow work because it is that important. So for me, I, if I'm working, I don't do a ton of one-on-one work. My shamanic work tends to be a lot through the media and with really large audiences. But Even when I'm working with audiences of hundreds or thousands, I have done shamanic journeys with groups that big where there's a lot that goes into into it before I actually start to use my drum or rattle to start to voyage people into different realms. There's different heart opening practices and breathwork techniques to really let the person feel and safely held space to let go and surrender so that they can do the work. But once that tone and energetic space is set, I then use my drum or rattle and I take the audience or the person into these unseen realms that we're, we're talking about. And 
And in these unseen realms, and because they're held in such safe space, we call forward the shadow aspect that they most need to face, that they've been in most denial about. Or sometimes I call them gremlins. You know, what is that voice inside of your head that has that strongest limiting belief that just keeps you holding back and not really just flourishing in your most vibrant and highest this lifetime? Any of those crunchier, quote unquote, not so fun aspects of earth life, if you want to be truly set free from them, you've got to face them. So in these journeys, we call these elements forward so they're no longer shrouded in that denial. And once you bring them forward, that's where the massive liberation really starts because when you are coming face to face with that embarrassing behavior that you've done or that gremlin-y voice, all of a sudden, it instantly is not so scary. You're looking at it and you begin to understand that that aspect of yourself has really just been a coping mechanism or it's been a behavior that your body, it thinks that it's doing to keep you safe, but it's really not. It's actually adding more pain. So that's level one of already you're beginning to be set free because it's not so scary. Then you begin to talk to this aspect. You ask it questions. You start to ask, you know, why are you trying to keep me safe? Um, What are you trying to protect me from? And then that's level two of the liberation. These answers, you start to get an understanding on a mind, body, spirit, soul level of why that freaking pattern was so ingrained for so many years. And then the next level through understanding it, you begin to send that behavior and aspect love because you understand it was just thinking that it was helping you. And that's where the miracle starts to happen because when you can pivot out of denying these aspects all the way to communicating with it and then being able to see it through the lens of love and sending that element about yourself that you previously were had so much shame around, now you unconditionally love it, that boom, that That is the precise moment of liberation, freedom, and miracle because you're no longer scared of yourself. You're no longer denying aspects of yourself, and you are then in a place of unconditional love. Oh, right. Well, that's a big one. And I think, you know, to to summarize it again, it's to acknowledge, to really just acknowledge that, yes, there are some things that need to be addressed. And if you are in that space, are you kind of closing your eyes and calling it in? And so like, because I like visuals, like when things come to me, when I ask those questions, because the next thing after acknowledging is asking questions, like maybe you don't know why you're behaving that way. Maybe you do, but oftentimes it's rooted in some of the first years that we were formed as children, right? And so like sometimes it can come forward. Other times it may not be super clear, but you may feel like, hey, you know what? This is actually not serving me. Um, Maybe even silly. Maybe you can even see that it was the behavior started at a time where the event was so little, but for you as as a child, it was so big. And now as an adult, you can look at the child like you and say, Oh, okay. I understand why you were upset, but we don't need to, like, we have a bigger understanding now. Yes. So when you were walking them through that process of like, okay, it's acknowledging, it's asking questions, it's sending more love. Well, then the next really important piece is having the bravery to be consciously aware because you may be uh, challenged or tested. Once you've done this important shadow work, there may be a scenario that presents where that old version of you and that old pain body version of you would have gotten major 
easily triggered. But now, because you've done the work and you're more consciously aware, when that dance starts to get initiated, you right away can be like, oh my gosh, this is that thing. Okay, this is the moment where I can either revert to that old behavior or I can stay connected to my heart, connected to my breath, not have an instant emotion-based reaction, but I'm going to stay more peaceful. I'm going to take five extra minutes. And it's in those small little practices that you can then reply and respond differently to what's going on. So just keep in mind that the work never ends, that we're here to learn and grow and evolve. And it's all a beautiful, miraculous dance. It truly is. It's an ongoing learning process. You think you've gone through so many layers and then something else shows up. What I also really like about this process of evolving yourself is that you do become more aware, not only aware of your own emotions and how you respond, but you can also see others better where other people and the ones that you love may feel triggered or respond in a way where you're like, wait, that that was unexpected. I don't quite understand this response. And what I've learned is to ask good questions then. It's like, hey, you respond this way. I just said this and you responded with a pretty extraordinary expression of, of what I asked you can you understand why you respond this way? Mm -hmm. And say it calmly, right? Not like, hey, don't talk to me like that. Don't raise your voice. Like, hey, what's going on within you right now? And it's a beautiful thing when you can give the other person the space to kind of go like, oh, you're right. I am triggered because it's usually something else has nothing to do with you. So if you can be the observant, you also gain so much clarity over other people's behavior and can help them observe themselves. Absolutely. You, you take things less personal. And one of my favorite quotes is once you know yourself, you know, the world. Mm. And that's, and that's this exact co-creative dance, this exact orb that you are, you and I, and, and all the listeners are in right now, this exact piece of the work is what allows an incredibly bigger layer of unconditional love to then become enveloped on the world because this work that we're talking about is the opposite of what I was referencing before about the trauma bonding and the pain body entanglement. This is the opposite. This is a person who is on the sovereign healing, devoted to spiritual evolution path, who is in a relationship or in a conversation with someone who can observe that they're being triggered and you're not taking it personal and you think, wow, this is such a beautiful opportunity with love. Let me inquire with them where that's coming from. And then that gives that person freedom, exactly what you're saying, to do their own inner inquiry. So there we have two people in a sovereign healing orb as opposed to an entangled pain body orb. And Anytime then that you can open up that space for someone, you're then opening up a a much greater unconditional love bubble for the whole world. So that's why us taking responsibility and doing the inner work, I always say, is the greatest act of service we can do for all of humanity and all of the planet. Because, you know, people say all the time to me, 
Allison, I want to make a, a positive impact on the world. I want to leave a positive legacy. Um, I, I want to help to heal the world. There seems to be so much pain out there. And my first question is, have you devoted to your own shadow work? How much of your own inner work have you done? Because if you haven't done your own shadow work, how can you expect to hold a proper container to heal the shadow of the planet if you haven't gone within and done it yourself first? So it all truly does start within ourselves and taking responsibility. That's a beautiful thought, yeah, to create that ripple effect. We're taking a quick break and we'll be right back with Alison Charles. The best travel experiences are more than just vacations. They shape who we are and they bring us closer to the people and places we love. This is the magic of travel. I'm Bruce Wallen, and in my 20 plus years as an editor and writer, I've covered the world's most extraordinary travel experiences for places like Rob Report, National Geographic, and Departures, and I've met some incredible people along the way. The people who make that magic happen. For the first time, I'm inviting you to join me in a little known world of luxury travel innovators, connoisseurs, and tastemakers, an exclusive group of industry leaders with a passion for the very best of travel. With every episode of Travel That Matters, you'll get access to insider knowledge, secret getaways, unforgettable luxury hotels, and one-of-a-kind travel experiences to expand what you thought was possible like venturing into the jungle and coming face to face with rare wildlife. The experience that we had lives within my heart. I don't think I'll ever leave those incredible moments, those gentle giants all around us. Or paying for an extravagant vacation and having no idea what you're in for. They never know where they're going. It almost doesn't matter, you know, whether you take people to Jungle Desert Mountain, it's what happens when you're there that's important. Set off for adventure every other week with Travel That Matters. Each episode is packed with stories to get you dreaming about your next trip and expert advice to help make it happen. Open the door to extraordinary experiences where every minute carries meaning and every moment brims with wonder. The power of travel is huge. It changes people's lives. This is why we travel. This is Travel That Matters. And we're back. I'm here with Alison Charles. So Alison, you, so you believe in reincarnation because you do talk about previous lives, many, many of them. And I have read one of the books very like long, a long time ago, uh, Many Lives, Many Masters. And that kind of made me familiar with this idea. And I would love to hear a little bit more about you guiding others to go back and see if there's anything else that has been carried over from a past life into this life and, and heal that part. And how do you access these altered states of consciousness? It really comes through just the embodiment that I have as a shaman. You know, I've completely devoted myself to this work, this mission, and this calling for many, many lifetimes and for many years this lifetime. So I hold in a very, very clean, strong, sacred, safe container. And I am just the conduit. Oftentimes, I, I have no idea what's going to come through for the session. Sometimes, 
most times I will do what I call a preliminary feel-in. So before I work with someone or a group, I will sit at my altar. I'll start to consult with great spirit, great mother earth and the divine wisdom and love, light and truth that is me and lives within me. And I'll start to get a framework of what needs to be done, what shamanic tools I, I need to bring in what offerings, you know, some sessions that might be cedar and rose, some sessions that might be copal and palo santo, some sessions it's drum only, some it's various shamanic instruments. Sometimes like for uh, this podcast, I, I make my own agua de florida, this Florida water and, you know, to set the energetic space for our talk, I was called to bring this and I have my rattle here. I knew those two instruments wanted to be stationed with us for this journey. So I'll start to get some preliminary guidance. But then while the actual session happens, because I become that instrument and conduit, I'll start to channel sacred songs. I'll start to all of a sudden get the visual for what I need the person to do. Okay, now I need you to lay down and just receive and I'll begin to rattle or send them transmissions. So it's just a very in total divine connection and divine timing process that I really don't know a lot of times what's going to come through. It's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. Are you still astonished day to day? Like, yes. Because I'm sure that because there's no routine, because you're really just open for what is coming and you don't know what's next, but you trust that, you know, you're, you're being guided. That must just be every day, some type of exhilaration, but maybe also exhaustion. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, cause mm -hmm. obviously it's a privilege, a blessing to be able to help and be of service in this way. I feel like you're kind of an earth angel, on the other hand, it may also be a lot. I, I also remember you saying in one of your podcast shows that you can see auras and it is a lot to take in if you can feel and see and connect so much, right? Yes, girlfriend, you're hitting the nail on the head. It's it's all. And, and at the heart of shamanism and one of the foundational pieces of shamanism is the embracing and acceptance of it all, allness in totality. So what you just asked me really takes me to that foundational piece because it is everything. Yes, it's such a most beautiful, miraculous, sacred, reverent honor that I was sent here on this mission. And I, and I also want to say, yes, I am fascinated by it every day. And I hope that that never goes away. I don't want that to ever go away. The, the, the fact that every time I connect into the other realms or sit at my altar, that I don't know what message or visual or benevolent spiritual ally or guide is going to come forward to me and what message they're going to have or what call that I'm going to be given to do that particular day or for the next particular project to be of service with. It's a never ending fascination that I love the most, yet the other side of it and having such a strong, clear, heightened connection to all these different places, it's a huge responsibility. And along with being a shaman and a spiritual teacher, I am very much a seer. So my ability to see so much in another and I'm very, very good at not being invasive. Like when I'm at a party, I'm not going around trying to like tune in and tap in. I'm, I'm just trying to be a human as well and have a good time. But because my gifts are so strong and clear and connected, sometimes even when I'm not trying to access in, I can just, if someone comes over to me, all of a sudden 
I can just tell on a soul level something that is really holding them back or an aspect of themselves that they're not letting themselves see that they really need to. But where the responsibility piece comes in, they may not be ready to have that conversation. They may not be ready to look at that piece. And if I were to just bring that up, it could actually be very detrimental or traumatic or harmful to them because they're not ready to face that yet. So what I've had to learn to figure out is with being a seer and seeing so much yet not having an outlet, where am I placing all of this information that I'm getting if I don't feel that I can have an outlet directly with that person? So yeah, and the reason why I asked the question and why I feel like I kind of know about it because I read the book Medical Medium and he's had this incredible talent of kind of being a human x-ray, knowing exactly what's going on in everyone's body. And unfortunately, it was a blessing and a curse. He could see all disease, right? And so he would be in a subway and he would pretty much know exactly what's going on in everyone's body and also how to heal them. But it was exhausting for him. Every time he would go on an airplane, he'd come out exhausted and he he could barely walk because he was so open and he was getting so much information that I could just see how he did not always want that blessing or that gift, you know, with him. And you have to learn to activate it and to deactivate it. Yeah. It's a trade-off, right? Knowing that, yes, I can be of great service, but I also need that tremendous amount of time away from, from people or not being activated all day. Now, I would love to talk about your book. Like your book, Animal Power, is coming out in August and you've worked on it for years and it is extraordinary. And I would love for you to share how this book came about, what the readers and listeners can expect from the book and how to use it. So the book came about after my awakening. It was the power animals who came in as my first spiritual guides. And I really attribute them to saving my life at that time because I didn't know up from down. It was a very cataclysmic time for me. And my core power animal, the Black Panther, also known as the Black Jaguar, came in. And then three helper power animal guides came in, the deer, the bear, and the frog. And they all represented very different medicines and healing transmissions for me. But that those four, that quadrant of power animals was the exact recipe that I needed to get through that time. So the deer, because my awakening came from like really intense, severe betrayal and heartbreak, the deer is all about the path of the heart. So she, oh my goodness, she has been actually a very, very main totem for me for many years. And she actually played a huge role. And Luke, my current fiance, husband, whatever we want to call it, and he and I getting together, the deer played a big role in in our partnership. So she allowed me ah, to keep my heart open and to not close down, even though there were so many aspects of me that just wanted to collapse and shut my heart down and not feel that pain again. She kept my heart open. The frog came in for the emotional waters to really feel everything that I needed to feel and to take healing baths. And it just helped me through the emotional territory. And then the bear came in, ah, my friendly bear it came in with this like grounding, stabilizing, supportive space. And it taught me how to let go and lean back into the spiritual support. And then the Black Panther, which is my core power animal, she really helped to activate 
me and my true calling as a shaman. She helps to activate our spiritual remembrance and being in our in our true spiritual calling this lifetime. So, you know, you can picture that jungle cat just prowling through the misty, dark night of the jungle. And that's a lot of the medicine that I have inside of me. So those are four examples. So I give that reference point because I've been working with them for many, many years And then fast forward to when a bunch of publishers uh, were reaching out to me when I was living in New York City to work with me on a book. And I was struggling to get clarity. I could not figure out for about three plus years. It was a very frustrating time. Then I finally aligned with the right literary agent team and I started to write a different book about surrender. Well, I went to Bali to work on this book and the power animals came to me the first day I was there and they said, no, not that (laughs) book. You're teaming up with us and we're going to co-create a new modern day power animals guidebook. Thank God my agents were on board with the switch because I emailed, I, I would actually be funny for me to find that email. And I was like, you guys know I live by the calls and I've been called to completely change the book concept over. So I'm praying you're on board and thankfully they were. And so, yeah, for the last three and a half years, I've worked with the power animal realm to bring to you this book called Animal Power, 100 Animals to Energize Your Life and Awaken Your Soul. And it's a modern day compendium. So it's a resource guide. You can go in if there's an animal that's been presenting in your life, you know, no matter what it is. In the book, I've got the tick, the ladybug, leech, you know, leopard, uh, stork, heron. I mean, you name it. There's, There's a wide range represented. And if you're noticing an animal that just keeps coming into your life, And you're like, oh my God, that's the fifth time someone's talked about a whale or I've seen the whale. You can go to Animal Power, open up to the whale page, and you will see the healing properties and the messages that whale is trying to communicate to you. And then one of my favorite parts is each animal also has what I call a power practice. And this is a different ritual, meditation, ceremony practice that you can do to deepen your rapport and your relationship with that particular animal. Because they're coming to you, they're our allies, they're our teachers, they're our brothers and sisters, and they want to empower your pathway forward. So if you open up that gateway with them more and begin to communicate with them more through my book and through these power practices, your ability to let in the blessings that they're trying to send to you grows and you will start to see your relationship with the entire power animal world get stronger and stronger and stronger. So it's an incredibly beautiful, powerful medicine book and resource guide for the power animal world. Wow, that sounds really amazing. I have seen illustrations, I've read a few pages, and I am like thinking, so how do these animals come to you? Do they come physically, as in a butterfly sits on your hand? You're like, oh, that hasn't happened, you know, this entire year. That's special, right? Yes. Go look up the butterfly. Yes. Or is it a, in a dream, is it, um, can it be both? Can it be, and I, I also think that if you need some inspiration, you can just flip through the book as if yes. it was a stack of cards and kind of like see where the page lands, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. And I really wanted it to be this, you know, divination tool of sorts. So yes, all of those ways you just mentioned are ways that you can work with the book. The animals can present physically, they can present in a meditation or during your dream. They will try to access you in the way that they feel they can best get your attention. But then that's where it becomes your responsibility to be aware, to take note and go to the guidebook and go to that entry and be like, oh my God, oh, now it's totally... So many light bulbs go off. It's so fun. And then the other thing that 
is really empowering is once you start to read about these different animals and you start to understand the medicines and healings that they represent, you can consciously call upon a particular animal to support you in a difficult time in life. So if you know that the rhinoceros has got this really strong, stabilizing, grounding power, and you know that that's the essence you need to give a talk during a business meeting, before you go into that meeting, for a couple minutes, you could just close your eyes, connect with your breath and heart, and call the rhino power animal forward and ask it to be there for you. Ask, invite its grounding, stabilizing power to be with you so that you don't get all in your head and all nervous. And so you can you can also call upon these animals to be your friends and your empowering supporters too. Oh, I like that idea. Yeah. So energetically calling them in. I also feel like when I'm not thinking about the time set, I mean, it's it's been plenty of time, more than, you know, a handful of times where something came into my life, like like a deer would cross my path, right? On, on the road and you have to stop and literally look the deer in the eye and it's just like checking you out and then passing. And you're like, okay, that was a very interesting moment. Let me look up what that means. Yes. But the book will definitely help. Like, I think that the more and more we connect to nature, because we are part of nature and don't separate ourselves from animals, from other realms, like the more we can be open minded, mm-hmm. receiving messages, the more we see some magic in our day. Yes. Yeah. You really hit the nail on the head. That was one of the founding divine intentions and principles that I had for Animal Power Book was to open people up back to that exact remembrance that magic and miracles and our connections to all of this empowering support and unconditional love, it's it's always there. And it can be. And oftentimes, most oftentimes, it is in these simple acts and these simple things that come in like an animal presenting to you. I'll tell just like a super quick story that just recently happened and I've shared it already publicly. So I know the person involved would be okay with me talking about it. But so Dr. Wayne Dyer, he's a very renowned spiritual teacher who passed away a, a number of years ago, but one of the you know most respected spiritual teachers. I think he's sold well over 100 million books. He's authored more than 40 books, 20 plus have been New York Times bestsellers, on and on. So his daughter, um, he has many kids, but one of two of his daughters wrote a book called The Knowing. And I interviewed one of them on my podcast, Ceremony Circle, and Serena Dyer, and she's incredible. Like, love her. And it was really trippy for me because while I was preparing for her interview, I was sitting on the balcony, feeling into the questions, and her dad, Dr. Wayne Dyer, presented to me. He came to me and he was talking to me in my right ear and I was so caught off guard and so moved. It was one of the most profound spiritual experiences I've ever had. I was moved to tears and I could see him and hear him. I could feel his personality. And he said to me, you know, I'll be your mentor on the other side. And I thought, oh my gosh, like, wow, what an honor. And he was really commending me for my work and telling me great job. And it felt very fatherly. And I just was relishing in it. And I was thanking him, but I'm someone who does a lot of integrity checks. So I closed my eyes and I asked for a sign, you know, I'm like, you know, I always just want to make sure that 
I just, this is this how I roll. And I opened my eyes and I saw like one of those little white naturey cotton ball-y things like float right in front of my eyes. And I was like, okay, that's, you know, that's a pretty good sign. But then I just wanted to do another check. <laughs> so I closed my eyes again and I asked, I said, you know, Wayne, can you just send me another sign? And the second that I opened my eyes, I have a tree right in front of our balcony and this massive blackbird, this crow just jutted out with full force from this top branch. And I just knew, I was like, okay, okay, I got it. Well, then when I was telling Serena in our interview, I said, you know, I, I know this is very personal, but I want to share the story with you. Your dad came to me, he's mentoring me now from the other realms. And she, and I said, he, he affirmed that it was his presence through a bird. And she said, he, that is how he shows up for my family. It's always in the form of a bird in a different color. He comes to her as a white bird. He comes to her mom as a red bird. And then he came to me and shamanism, the crow is a main shamanic totem. It represents the void and in all creation. And so it made total sense that he would come to me as the black bird. And um, so it's just, you know, just one example of the other realms and also how animals are there to reaffirm messages for us. Wow. Powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's such a powerful practice. And I love that, you know, we can talk about this very earthly in a way, right? Even though we're talking about spirits and spirit world, I feel like I have learned a lot and I hope all the listeners have learned so much from you and feel inspired to tune in to their own inner knowledge, to get your power animal book. We can get it at Amazon. Yeah, you can get it anywhere books are sold, but I will tell you if you want to go the more independent bookstore route or, or Amazon, whatever, you can go to my website. It's alisoncharles.com backslash animal power. And I spell it A-L-Y-S-O-N for my name. So alisoncharles.com backslash animal power. And if you pre-order it, all you have to do is fill out the brief form on that same page and you'll get emailed a video guided shamanic journey facilitated by me. So you can meet the power animal. It's most wanting to present to your life at this time. So you can begin to cultivate this relationship and then go to the book to reference why that animal came to you. Mm, well, I feel there is so much intention of entire episode, everything we shared and I uh, just feel this wonderful, warm, fuzzy feeling. I'm so happy that we got to connect. I love that, you know, we are stepping into opening our mind to connect more to spirit world. Thank you, Allison, for being on the show today. I'm so proud of you for stepping into your power, aligning with shamanism. It's not an easy task. It is a blessing, but we also know it is a big responsibility and can be exhausting. So we honor you for your work. Thank you. Ah, oh, dear sister, thank you so much. I so see you and respect you. And it was such a treasure to be able to chat with you. So thank you so much. Thank you so much to Alison Charles for joining me on the show today. Ah, oh, what a spiritually nourishing and fulfilling conversation. If you want more guidance, inspiration, even just positivity for your soul, make sure to check out Alison's podcast, Ceremony Circle. Well, that wraps up our second season of Life Done Better. Have a beautiful rest of your summer and we'll connect in the fall. Kurt Co. Media. Media for your mind.